This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild course language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. This is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Sorry, I was just taking a drink. I just despite the fact that you just said that. Well, I had taken the drink in enough time, but we're in this new studio. We're experimenting with a few different camera angles. Yeah. High, hi, uh, recording device. Yeah. And so there's also quite a uh, delicate table in front of us. So delicate. All the equipment yeah. that we're using on it. Yeah. And I was drinking quite like a, a large beer yeah and quite a heavy like so i was trying to put it down very carefully and not to ruin everything because there's like a, a lot of wires on the table and a we, lot of things we that need to ruin by beer look we, this this is an experiment this is our second time in the studio we're still trying to work things out this is an experiment in the same way as the tv show married at first sight <laughs> is an experiment do you ever i have wa- not seen any of it neither I, have i i understand the principle i do a daily segment on the radio about it and i've not seen one minute of it but you know that's the good news about having other people who watch it and just give me the best bits yeah. but uh, they refer to it constantly as the experiment okay it's not a reality tv show charlie yeah it's an experiment, right? Where people get married at first sight, okay. And much like that, maths. I yeah. see that. Ha- I see that trending a lot. Maths. Exactly. So uh, much like that, we are, we are like maths because we are tofop thirty odd foot a pod. Yeah. Um, married at first sight, and so uh, we are experimenting with different camera angles. And so we did the last one with GoPros on each of us individually. Yeah. And now this record uh, here at the SBN St Kilda. <sighs> you know what we've got to do? What this. So now <laughs> the only video footage that we're going to get is from that point on because it's going to be too hard to sync up the first the intro. Can you explain to me how the clap works? Because I have been – I've filmed things over the years and they're like, all right, we'll do a clap yeah. now. We have to do this clap. I've never quite understood why the clap is important. Tell me what, what, what right. the clap does. So basically when you're lining up your audio and your video – you need to. I realise, by the way, the problem with us both being on camera at all times now. What? It's quite often when you're talking, I'll like scratch my nose or <laughs> like have a drink, drink or those the room. sort of things. Roll my eyes, <laughs> start flipping through a newspaper, Sleep. start listening to another podcast. <laughs> that would be the greatest insult. What do you think about North Korea, Charlie? And I'll just put in the dollop and uh, go. Uh, what you're doing is you are trying to line up uh, you want it to be as precise when you're lining up your audio and your video so you'll take the video the point of impact of where the clapper claps and you'll take the high point of the audio and you'll line those two things up so because the clap is so loud and you've got the visual marker of where it claps you can line it up almost precisely to where it is so okay so it's to sync the video to with sync the, the video audio. with the audio yes okay well, that's good i'm glad someone's finally explained yeah that to and then sometimes and and you do two claps 
if you want to get even more precise, because sometimes, especially when you're working with actors or performers who like to talk when you're rolling up for a take, and yeah. sometimes they can talk over the clap, and so sometimes, especially if that person's particularly loud, and maybe they laugh over the clap, you might have two audio peaks, so it's hard to tell where the, uh, where, where the sync point is, so you might want to do two claps, or you might do a slate after the take, so you can line it up or reverse engineer it. In a well, way. that's why it took so long to edit together the uh, clip for Mickey by <laughs> Tony Basil. <laughs> Did you just scour your brain for what the song has clapping in it? I was trying to work out whether it was funny. Not even like We Will Rock You. Well, it's funny <laughs> you mentioned that because literally in my head I was like, I reckon Mickey's a funnier clap. But We Will Rock You is a more recent example. I mean, obviously, Bohemian Rhapsody, the Oscars, those sort of things. And so in my head, while you were doing mm. that thing, I was literally tossing <laughs> up of whether I would go with We Will Rock You or, or whether I would go with Mickey. And I just thought that Mickey was like a funnier clap. Uh, podcast, Mike, can you Google what are some famous clapping songs, popular songs that have clapping in them? The, uh, well, you know what was the hardest thing to ever ed- edit? What? The opening scene from, uh, the opening theme from uh, Friends. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> the editor had a nightmare putting that together. Now, that song, the I'll Be There, was that a single before? Yes. Right, okay. By the Rembrandts. So the Rembrandts released that, and then they're like, the biggest sitcom in the history of the world licenses it, and then they just retire. Yeah, absolutely. Never have to record another single again. I assume so. Because that was back in the day, Friends is probably that, you know, remember that a sitcom used to have its own theme composed? And then something happened with TV. It felt like the late nineties, early two thousands. Well, where you just a lot of people think song. that, but the Charles in Charge song actually existed. <laughs> <It was before. laughs> Sondheim, I believe, yeah. composed that. Uh, the 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 theme from the nanny that was actually a, a I, hit as well. I do miss that. I do miss like what you oh, look. I don't watch TV really. Apart the from song me, that explains the whole, show. the whole plot. Yeah. Like there's a little boy in the neighbourhood who lives downstairs, and it's understood that he's, he's there, there just to take good care of me. Me before like he's part of the, the family. family before he becomes an ultra right conservative. Yeah. <laughs> Update popular songs. There's a little boy with some strange political beliefs. Which is the greatest of all explanation songs at the start of a a TV sitcom? I would suggest Gilligan's Island. Yeah. Um, Is there a a better one than... Well, you know what the other one I would say? It's not a song, but it's also an awesome opening, which was The A-Team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that gave us a little bit of narration that tells you the whole story you need to know. I mean, I'm trying to think of like... I was going to say Suicide is Painless, but there's no lyrics in that. I mean, there are lyrics to that, yeah. but not in the, not in the MASH song. Yeah. And then I Dream of Genie was just... Dun, 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 dun. But that's great too. I dream, dream of a genie. <laughs> I dream, because dream of a genie. you don't hear any lyrics, but just that song makes you go, oh yeah, it's about a genie. Yeah. <laughs> don't you think like, <laughs> if you hear that in isolation... He's a man who's got him a genie. <laughs> she is definitely a genie. Basically a slave. This is problematic. <laughs> In 40 years' time, people are going to have issues with this. This show isn't very woke. <laughs> Speaking of genies, um, did you see the uh, <laughs> the footage of Will Smith's terrifying genie from the Lion King remake? So, firstly, it would be terrifying if it was from the Lion King. Up, I like mean, if, you know. if in the reboot <laughs> of the Lion King they've decided to put a genie played by Will Smith dressed in blue, then I am going to be first person in line at the premiere of The Lion King to go and see that movie. <laughs> They've done some mashup between their most popular properties. Um, but do, I you, sh- do you feel like like a, a, if, if they're going to follow the Robin Williams style of genie where it's like improvisation and ad-libs, we're going to get a Will Smith rap, right? Right. Has to happen. Well, I guess... Is there any way that genie doesn't rap? Is Fresh... 
Prince of Bel Air. The there's a great last song. great example of where they explain everything that yeah. happened. That'd be almost. Like, I don't know if there's one after that that is as good as the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. I reckon that was your mic drop moment for opening theme songs that explained what the show was. Yeah, I can't think of another one. But I would love that. What about Small Wonder? She's fantastic, made of plastic, <laughs> microchips here and there. She's a small wonder. What about Monkey? Monkey is probably the greatest intro song that explains. Yeah, but again, Monkey's previous to yeah. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, well, I mean, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, of course. But I'm just trying to think of anything. It was a f- what other big sitcoms were there after Fresh Prince? Like... Friends is kind of like, you've got Seinfeld, no theme. I mean, no, no lyrics. Frasier, no lyrics. No, Cheers. isn't, uh, oh no, that's the end song in Frasier, isn't it? The one about. Toss salad. Yeah, <laughs> tossing people's salads. <laughs> that's all I know is toss salad. And scrambled eggs. Scrambled eggs. So toss salad means like. Yeah, to get your butt licked. licked. <laughs> what does scrambled eggs mean? You know uh, the thing about doing this know. podcast. How do we go from genies can... to prison? Well, prison because, vernacular. Because here's what my three wishes are, Charlie. <laughs> Imagine that in Aladdin. It's a gritty reboot. Uh, I've got three wishes. Uh, my first wish is... Toss my salad. Do you know what a toss salad is? <laughs> the genie's like, no! I've always wanted... Hey, I want uh, Kelsey Grammer <laughs> to toss, to toss my, my salad. That's wish one. <laughs> Second, every sitcom now or every TV show has to have lyrics that explain the opening. I mean, look, I haven't watched Big Bang Theory or... How I Met Your Mother, like some of the modern sitcoms, but do they have explanations? I don't watch those shows either. Well, I, I think I think How You Met Your Mother has a narration, doesn't it? Like this is how I met your mother, mm, probably. And uh, Two and a Half Men just had that song that was like men, 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 men. Yeah, that's right. What are some? What's the biggest sitcom? Around? Big Bang Theory, right? I assume so. I don't even know. Don't know. Like, what is a big a sitcom, sitcom these days? Sitcoms are, are weird that they still exist, don't you think? Like they are. Such a product of when TV was in front of a live studio audience and you know, and ad breaks and stuff and the way they're so tightly scripted down to like a 22-minute thing. But now with streaming, it would seem weird to watch a 22-minute episode of a comedy with no studio audience and laugh tracks and things like that. And I'm sure there are sitcoms made for Netflix, right? Didn't Ashton Kutcher... Oh, The Ranch. Yeah. I've never watched it. No. So I don't know. But I, there, there, would, there must be sitcoms made for streaming. Surely. I just feel like that, that style of thing has fallen out of favour. And this is the era more than any that you could actually do it on streaming services, right? Because they have that skip title sort of function on most of those things, right? You can start yeah. watching a show and you can skip the opening song. So if you, were what, if you were the sort of artist that wanted to make like a minute long opening title thing you could and people wouldn't have to watch it every week anyway but there's something we is it i don't know why this feels weird to me but it feels weird that there would be a you'd have a, a sitcom on a streaming service because i just sort of feel like sitcoms belong to networks we have live studio audiences but the, can you have a sitcom without a, yeah, a live office. studio audience is that a sitcom the office is a sitcom <sighs> what do you think the office is well sitcom's more of a it's a comedy. I don't know. I don't multi, think mul- you know mul- what a sitcom mul- is. No, mul- uh, single cam comedy. 
I think. Uh, well, I don't think it is single cam though. Like it, normally, they're a studio comedy. They've got like multi cam. They're multi cam studio comedies. Your single cam's more your uh, easy. Arrested office. Development. Yeah, your Arrested Development. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, the Office and Arrested Development. So is you're talking cam. old school multi cam. Yeah, like and like it's and the main setting is someone's apartment audience. or like Jerry's apartment or you know like. The workshop or, or something like that. Okay. Firstly, The Office is definitely a sitcom. But okay. secondly. We've created, written a sitcom mm. called um, uh, Thank Pod You're Here. <laughs> and it's about two podcasters yep. who have moved into a studio in a popular pub. And it's all the wacky characters, all the locals. Man, you know, this is pretty good. Actually, not bad. <laughs> I actually think not it's bad not a so bad far. idea for a podcast. It's all the wacky, it's all the locals who come in and watch them do the podcast. And so they get to know them. So... This is the setting. It's mainly in the studio. The pub setting is the is the setting for the sitcom. Well, it's Cheers, but with a pop with a <laughs> podcast studio. That's exactly how we pitch it. <laughs> it's like Cheers with a podcast studio. We've essentially like we go. We're going to make remake the show Cheers, but at the end of the bar are two guys making a <laughs> podcast. <laughs> like, and now that you say it, I'm like that is the most ridiculous, stupid thing in the world. Then I look out and I see all these people at the pub, and we're two fucking idiots doing a podcast at the end of the street at the bar. I mean, it's literally to the point where no one's even noticing that we're doing they it. They have headphones. We're looking yeah. out at a group of people who have headphones outside our studio. They can so just put if them on any of those people just put those headphones on, they would be able to listen in right now to what we are doing, right? Yeah. And I will give none of them $1,000 to anyone who puts their headphones on in the next 15 seconds. And none of them have chosen to do it. No. Which thing. is a broader metaphor for the public acceptance of this podcast. Well, which is, it is publicly available to everybody and most people have chosen not to listen. Well, often, we've often talked on this show about our shame, about occasionally we've had people walk in on us podcasting. It's embarrassing. Yeah. And now we're doing it David Blaine style. Right. Out in public. public, in a glass case. <laughs> like the poo jogger. That's what we are. <laughs> Taking our filth out into public. I don't think people, I don't think the wider public is ready for podcasting yet. Like they tried last year to get that sitcom up with um, Zach Braff that was all about a dad podcasting. Did you see the trailers for that? It was no. like, I think it was called like Dan in Real Life or something. Uh, podcast Mike, can you look up uh, Zach Braff's sitcom about being a podcaster? I think it, yeah. And it was about a guy who's, he's a dad, but he's a podcaster. And no one watched it because I don't want to watch that. I am a podcaster. I don't want to watch that. I don't think, it's not yet at the level of, Frasier can be a guy who has a talkback radio show. Oh, I was trying to get in the Were back. You? Someone was taking a photo of herself. All right. And I was trying to <laughs> get I just saw you flip off a member of the public. That's I'm a like, good point. I forgot on? that we were <laughs> filming like this <laughs> as well. So basically, out of nowhere, I just went like this. And Are you all right? I think Will's just had a stroke. Well, there's people outside the studio and... Like they were, she was taking a selfie, and I just thought it'd be funny to be in the back giving the finger. But yeah. uh, I, I missed my opportunity. Meanwhile, there are children there eating lunch. <laughs> well, this is the other thing. I don't want those children. Like, but so everybody's just going about their business. If yeah. we were in America, at least you would think there would be some random people coming by and sort of like, what's going Especially on? Especially in Los Angeles, like looking in the window. Yeah. Can but, you read my script? <laughs> yeah, but there's been none of that. No one cares. No one is interested in what we're doing here at all. I think there is a level of um, shame amongst Australians. Like there is an inherent shame about when people are shooting something or recording something. It's like I don't want to be. In, I don't want to get caught up in this. I don't want to get involved. I don't want my Australians by their nature. I think are quite introverted. Don't want undue attention. 
And I think that that's what this is. We're in quite a public area doing something that looks like it's entertainment. They probably think we're doing some radio show and, oh, we'll get dragged into, you know, what's the most embarrassing thing your partner's done? So they're staying well away from us. Yeah, when we were in America, Rove and I were filming something for a comedy special and uh, so we're driving around in this, like, convertible car with, with uh, you know, cameras. And every time we pointed a camera at the member of the public, it was like an audition for Australia's yeah. Got Talent. Uh, like people would just like burst into dance or burst into song as if like somebody's going to see this clip and I'm going to become famous. I remember uh, when Denton had his show on Channel 7 in the 90s and uh, Bobcat Goldthwait was his US Great, Greatest episode of Tele... Oh, oh, do you, which do one? You, what, do you remember the one when he was in the studio? No. Oh. Well, I'll tell mine and then you'll tell okay, yours. Okay, yes. So he would do his, like, he'd cross to Bobcat on the streets of wherever, and he was crossed to Bobcat on the streets of Los Angeles, and they were doing a Vox Pop, I think it was. And it was exactly what you're saying. Every person that Bobcat stopped to talk to would break into song, would tell a joke, would want to know who they were talking to, and Bobcat just got so kind of disheartened and upset. He was like, I fucking, I hate this country. <laughs> like, everyone here is, like, angling for a deal. I can't even do my bit because everyone's trying to one-up me. Uh, so Bobcat Goldthwait, um, well, two, two most, and I'm sure I've talked about both of these before on the podcast, but my two favourite Bobcat Goldthwait moments of all time was when he was on Celebrity Sale of the Century. You know this story, right? Mm. He was on Celebrity Sale of the Century. No, I don't know this And uh, there used to be the thing where in the gift shop, um, you know, if you picked a famous face, you might get an amount of cash that was behind right. uh, yeah, the gift shop. So it might be like $5,000 in cash or whatever. And the big thing the host would always do is they would go over and they would put the $5,000 of cash on like the table in front of the person to sort of tempt them to, you know, play their luck in that in situation, right? And uh, so they're playing for charity, you know, it's celebrity, so they're playing for charity. <laughs> and it's still one of the greatest moments of all time because they put down the $5,000 in cash in front of him and he just grabs it <laughs> and... <laughs> Runs out of the studio. Brilliant. And so there's secure, like, can you just imagine what that feels like. At the start, of course, they think you're doing a bit, yeah. right? But then when he keeps running, <laughs> suddenly, eventually, security guards have to chase after him in case he's stealing the $5,000. And I uh. believe I'm remembering this correctly, but I believe they genuinely thought that he was that's amazing trying to steal the money and 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 sort of tackled him and the other one is uh when he was on in studio on andrew's show on channel seven uh when he trashed the studio do you know this i remember him trashing letterman stage yeah so banned. while he was on andrew's show right and andrew's show had all these like uh, te televisions around that that was kind of the yeah. the set design was like you know you were getting information at all times there was televisions everywhere and during the interview he just started like pulling them down from the wall and smashing them and shit but they weren't props they were the real extent about yeah. five thousand bucks <laughs> <laughs> the TVs, is that why he stole the money? You had to pay the TVs. Just I've got to get this to Andrew Denton. Uh, podcast Mark has uh, cut back to us with some clapping songs. Here okay, you go. Right. You ready? Dancing with Myself, Billy Idol. Oh, oh, oh. I don't remember any clapping in that. Dancing with Myself. I don't remember any. Where's the clapping in that? I thought, look, I don't really remember okay. that song. Uh, what about Rock the Casbah, The Clash? Rock the Casbah. Mm -hmm. like Where's the clapping in that? Mike, uh, Mike, I think you've really... Oh, Faith, George Michael. Okay. There we go. Because i got to have faith. <laughs> but that's hard to sing because yeah, you need well, one it. distinct. Uh, the Beatles, I want to hold your hand. Uh, and then he said, Charlie, I think you mean Aladdin, <laughs> which I assume is not a song 
But yeah. referring to my Will Smith, Smith yes. reference. Oh, that's where we were at. So <laughs> glad we got back to that. Uh, Will Smith is is Aladdin. He's, he's the live he's action genie in the Aladdin remake. Yes, and uh, originally played by Robin Williams, of course. Yes, and he's doing it in blueface. Yeah, so it looks like if you haven't seen the trailer, you've got to check it out because it's it's probably one of the most poorly calculated. Like I, I can't imagine that when the studio is like, let's release this footage because they they show all this great kind of live action Aladdin footage and then the Will Smith's the big like, whoa, at the end, it's Will Smith. But it is horrifying. Like it is not well integrated CGI. It's Will Smith's face on what looks to be like a CGI genie body, like um, what you, amorphous, is that the right word? It's like floating kind of genie body what's the word i mean i don't really know the word that you're going mm. for but it's like a, it's like his head's on a cloud yeah his head's on a cloud <laughs> yeah. but it's creepy as fuck it does not work and it's it's kind of like it's not like i mean robin williams was being robin williams when he's the genie right but it's really the voice of robin williams but robin williams doing all these like impersonations and stuff this kind of feels like will smith it's sort of like this genie his curse is that you have to be Will Smith <laughs> for, the, for eternity. It's not like – it's just off-putting. It's unpleasant to look at. Well, and you're right. He will definitely rap because in the same way as Robin Williams did impressions, mm. Will Smith's ability is going to be to do very generic rap. Yeah, well, I mean, Will Smith – It'll be – you'll get a big blue genie and he'll be like, my name is the genie and I'm here to say I'm the genius genie in the USA. <laughs> We're in the Middle East, but that doesn't matter because I'm the genie and I'm a little bloody fatter. Because <laughs> he is, he looks a bit portly. I'm the genie, I don't know what to do. I'm the genie, my face is blue. <laughs> That's the quality of Will Smith's rap. What is Will Smith's great appeal? Like, beyond the rap, like, what, what is... What is Will Smith? Like, what, what is he as a leading man? Is He's it, an entertainer. He's entertainer. an all-round entertainer. He's an old-school entertainer. Not like Hugh Jackman, though. Yeah, like Hugh Jackman. He's Hugh Blackman. Is that racist? Mm. Or is that okay? Well, I, don't I don't know. I don't know. Let's just... Uh, problematic. Okay. <laughs> we'll leave that with uh, I Dream of Genie. I mean, I feel like it was just a play on words <laughs> and a satire. Uh, but what is his... So he's, he's the rap guy, but he's not particularly funny, is he? He's funny enough. In, an, in, in a talk in show personality, setting. Yeah, he's like a... Because you, with the genie thing, like, I mean, you think about all the actors they could have picked, like a Jack Black or, you know, any of these guys who are just like improvisers, you know, uh, improvised background. Or whatever. I don't think of Will Smith as being that kind of performer where he will do voices and do crazy physical comedy and all that kind of stuff. He's charming. That to me seems to be Will Smith's... Major weapon is he's charming, right? He's yeah, he's super charming, and he feels like you know what he is up for anything. Yeah, like he doesn't feel like one of those Hollywood types. And this is what he shares a bit with Hugh Jackman in that he'll give it a crack. He'll give it a crack. Has if Hugh Jackman he, ever done comedy? Uh, like comedy movie or yeah, like? Yeah, I don't think he has. I mean, surely he's done something comedy. Podcast, Mark. Can you just thanks? <laughs> he's Google. already on You're doing very well. Could you Google Hugh Jackman's movies? Hugh Jackman and just any comedies you can find, just send them along. Yeah. I don't think he has. I think he did one early on with Meg Ryan called Kate and Leopold where he played like, it was a time travel love story where he played like a French lieutenant or something from Napoleon's army and she falls in love with him. But he's not funny per se, Hugh Jackman, is he? I mean, I think he could play comedy though, couldn't I he? I mean, he's a great actor. I'm sure he could play comedy. But it's just like, is it one of those things where... I mean, the X-Men films have some comedic moments. Doesn't, not the same. 
I mean, you're a comedian. Like, you should stand up for your genre a bit more. Not anyone can just do comedy. Mate, I am also a person who realises that if Hugh Jackman wants to do something, you'll let Hugh Jackman <laughs> yeah, do yeah, it. It's just stand I'm not, like, not going to be like, no, Hugh Jackman couldn't do comedy. Hugh Jackman could do anything. Okay, so your management come to you and say, mm. all right, this year's Comedy Festival. We've been speaking to Hugh Jackman's mm. management. He wants to come out and do 10 minutes before you come on stage. Warm up for yeah. me. Yeah. The world's greatest showman. Yeah, but he's not doing any of that. He's not singing. Oh, he's dancing. doing stand up. Just straight stand up. He's not doing his PT Barnum shit. No. He's literally coming out and just saying, Have you ever noticed? <laughs> <laughs> you ever uh, noticed how you have to eat seven times a day every three hours between workouts? Just relatable, huge yeah, 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 stuff. Yeah. You know when you're deadlifting 200 yeah. kilos? Hey, you know what it's like being Wolverine? Guys. <laughs> yeah, it's hello. Thing. Do you, uh, do you go yes? Yeah, absolutely. Do you not feel like there's any backlash that you're just selling out because it's Hugh Jackman? I mean, what's he charging? Uh, like percentage of my fee. Or is he just getting like the same fee as any of my support well, acts yeah, exactly, get? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I'm getting him in. So, <laughs> sorry, Hamo. <laughs> I got Wolverine. I think Hamo would be fine with that as well. He'd be like, nah, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I guess he's such a great entertainer. Yeah. He would allow it. But okay. Let's go through some celebrities. Where do you draw the line? So Russell Crowe wants to do 10 minutes. Absolutely, Russell Crowe wants to do 10 minutes. I can't um, imagine Russell would do 10. That would be my only fear. I feel like Russell would say he would do 10. Do you think 10, he might turn on the audience? Like he gets his first heckle, does not take it very I well. I mean, I wouldn't heckle Russell. Right. Okay, uh, Nicole Kidman. Uh, Nicole Kidman could do... Five. Five. What the fucking camera is losing it? It's, it's uh, beeping. I don't know. We got so, hopefully we got something out yep. of it today. Um, Kate Blanchett, she can do an hour. Kate Blanchett can do the whole show. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll send her the script. <laughs> yeah, she can sit, reinterpret it. Just sit and watch. She'd probably actually play me, like in some sort of you know sort of twist on me. You know, she'd sort of get my haircut and sort of dress in my clothes, but do it from her perspective. Chris Hemsworth. Hemsworth could he, and, he, and he's been trying to do comedy. Like he's been done like the Ghostbusters. He was funny in Ghostbusters, stuff. I thought. So um, Hemsworth gets five. Hemsworth gets 12. 12? Gets 12. Yeah. More than Jackman. Yep. I reckon Hemsworth. Hemsworth and Jackman want to come out and do a double act. Okay, fine. Jackman's going to play guitar. 15. And Hemsworth's going to sing. They're going to be like the scared little weird guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what they call themselves because the actual group's called the scared with little guys. Yeah. But they call themselves the, the scared Jack's little huge weird. muscular no, they call guys. Them, like, the jacked guys. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the huge jack guys. <laughs> the, the protein brothers. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, they could do 15. I'll give him 15 as a double act. Does Jeffrey Rush get a... Jeffrey Rush can do something after <laughs> the show. Sell merch. Sell, oh, no. I'm not letting him that close to my fans. <laughs> <laughs> no Jeffrey Rush. He can't. Sorry, Jeffrey. Uh, Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie, absolutely. Double act. Yeah. I will, I'll write something that we can do together. A two-hander. I'm sure you would. <laughs> oh, come on, Jeffrey Rush. <laughs> um, no, a totally respectful two-hander. I mean, she's a brilliant actress as well. Mm. So I think that, you know, I could write something that where she would be the... She'd carry it like in a... I mean, if you could get Hemsworth and Margot Robbie, you probably wouldn't even need to go on stage. Like, the audience would be so wrapped by the time... Like, they would think they saw an hour show. You could get them to do 10 minutes... And they'd be so blissed out that you wouldn't even need to get up and do your act. What if, like, so I've written this show that I was going to do for the comedy festival this year, but Chris Hemsworth and Margot Robbie's agents contact me and they're like, Chris and Margot are really looking at uh, 
getting to the comedy festival. Yep. They want to do a double act. Can you rejig the show as a double act that they can do together? Yes. And I would happily. That would be, I would happily. Okay, so are they rejigging it as in they get like a spot or it's a whole show become... No, literally the show I've written, but I just rewrite it as a to and fro double act for oh, Chris right. like a conversation. Margot, Robbie. Yeah. Like maybe like a waiting for Godot, yeah. to, but a comedy version where yeah. it's just the two of them on a bench and they just... Right, have a conversation. Joke. Like where Chris is like, what is the I deal that, with... That, I mean, I know we're joking, <laughs> but I reckon that is the kind of thing that you could definitely like... You could definitely do. If you get too... Because it's so left of center for those guys and those guys seem to be up for like trying new things and they're obviously right at the top of their game in terms of being hollywood movie stars yeah. so if you went to them and said hey look i've written this thing and i reckon it might be amazing to do off broadway looking to maybe you know tour it once it gets its legs up but it's basically going to be like a comedy conversation between two old mates <laughs> We get we transcribe an episode of Tofop and we give it to Margot Robbie and Chris Hemsworth. And they do it as a script. And they do it as a script. And interpret it whatever way they want. Well, you know what the thing about that that might work is it's just crazy enough that it might work. That's what I think. Because those two are so popular that I imagine that anytime somebody's got half a good script, it goes to Chris Hemsworth's agent and it goes to Margot Robbie's agent, right? Right. But they're clearly They're seeing everything. Yeah. We're not going to be able to get them with something that's just good. You've got to get them on that other end of the vanity project, the the weird side project that yeah. they're doing that has no that makes no sense. And us taking an episode of Tofop and then I mean imagine if we just did that. Why don't we just for fun find an episode of Tofop like write it then just change our names from like on the script. Literally yeah. just send the entire episode and then just send it. Yeah. And go. This is our. This is our pitch. It's like. <laughs> Sorry, I just laughed so hard. I smashed my headphones into the microphone. That's a hundred percent what we should do. We just send it to WME yeah. and CAA. <laughs> we just say, got a great look. You know, if we can get Margot one, we'll get. We we'll get Margot. We get Chris. Yeah. We get one or the other. <laughs> and we and we get them on board. And we just say this is an experimental film. Yeah. Is it a film or a play? A film. Well, they're doing films, right, aren't they? Yeah, but that's why I think if you do it as a lot, because they do film. Oh, the they more weird, the better. Yeah, yeah. live performance. Yeah. Like I don't think it's an experimental play. I, I don't think either of them has done a lot of theatre. Mm. Like I think they're mainly all the in front of the camera. Oh, right. So we get them in with like the opportunity hey, to do some theatre. Broadway. Who doesn't want to be on Broadway? Yeah, what actor thought. worth their weight doesn't want to be on Broadway? And so we've got. So it literally, the premise is that we get Chris Hemsworth and Margot Robbie. To recreate an episode of So Tofop. who do we cast as who? I mean... Depending on the conversation, I guess? I, I'm willing... Look, here's Is what it I, a bit like that Bob Dylan movie where they cast all those different actors as Bob Dylan, yeah. including women? Yeah, including Kate Blanchett, I believe. Yeah. So, uh, all right, here's what I think. I think that Chris Hemsworth plays you. Okay. You both fit. You know, you both kind of like, you know, Blokey. I just feel like he'd be able to. You're more of, feminine of the two of us. I mean, I think of the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> but I also think yeah. that Margot has the bigger range. That's what I would say. Like, despite the fact that I think that Chris can play comedy and he can play straight, but he's. Yeah. I think it wouldn't be hard for her to take yeah. a male voice and turn it into something else. Well, particularly as that male voice is my voice, which, <laughs> which is, is a girl's voice. A girl's voice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, cool. All right. So, and so 
we pitch it to them. Here's what we have to do is we have to get some talent involved behind the scenes. We have to get like a Neil Armfeld or some big theater director on board to direct them. Because that's the, that's going to be the appeal. It's like, oh my God, you get to work with, Blah, 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 blah. Whoever is the most up-and-coming, like, theatre director. Well, who is that? Who is, like, the person that is, like... Well, in Australia, Neil Armfeld is probably the most well-regarded theatre director. Well, how do we get it to Armfeld? Well, um... I mean, Armfeld's probably never heard the podcast. Which is good. Because I think this whole plan kind of relies on the idea that no one's ever heard the podcast. I actually met Neil Armfeld. He directed the movie Holding the Man. And uh, I've always been a big, huge fan of him as a director and I've seen a lot of his plays and I've always heard that he's very intimidating like you know he's he's you know he's a very very cerebral guy very smart guy and anyway um it was uh at the Sydney Film Festival they premiered this movie we're at the after party and I'm with Jem and I see Neil Armfeld I'm like fuck I have to go over and just say hello and congratulations because I'm such a big fan and so I had all this stuff in my head about oh like he's you know he's really intimidating and blah 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 so my plan was just to go in. Hi, Neil. My name's Charlie. I just want to say I really love the film. I've also seen like a lot of the stuff you directed. Fantastic. Just want to say hi. Let's get out of there. So I went in with that approach. And I went in and said, hey, Neil. Love the film. Congratulations. Seen a lot of plays. Big fan. But then he wanted to stay and chat. He's like, oh, great. And what did you think of the film? And I wasn't ready for that. And it caught me on the hop. And the film Holding the Man... Is uh, uh, about Tim Conagrave who went to the same high school as me. And so they actually shot it in Melbourne at my high school. And a lot of the areas they shoot in are areas that I grew up in. And so it's amazing. Like I, watching that film, I feel like I go on a time machine because they do such a good job with the wardrobe and the music and all that kind of stuff. Well, that would be an amazing thing to say to the director Which of the film. Which I started saying. But then I started getting kind of like self-conscious about the fact that I was talking too much about the film and... You know, maybe he just wanted a short answer. And I get this thing now. I don't know. As I've gotten older, <coughs> it's happening more and more often. I start, I'm getting the flop sweats. When I get into situations in which I'm feeling like uncomfortable or under the spotlight, I start sweating. Like as an actor too, it's a particular problem. Like right now it's pilot season. So I'm doing a lot of auditions. It's also summer in Australia. I sweat. And when it's summer... <laughs> if you don't, you don't like, like cricket, cricket I can like tell you it's a real bummer that because cricket is the number one game in town. Yo. Yo, just ask anyone around. Yo. Yo, boys, I'm from Mono in the East to Bunjury in the West <laughs> to Darwin, the Dandenongs, whatever your address might be. You can see me on the TV. Well, not just me, but the commentary team. That's sort of my boys, if you know what I mean. And I thought Captain Australia was a pretty tough job. But I can tell you absolutely nothing. Compared to looking up this month, let me see. There's Greg and Ian. Morning, Rich. Morning. <laughs> the amount of times that we've gone into the marvelous theme on this podcast is ridiculous. So I sweat a lot, and I started sweating with him, and like acutely, and becoming acutely aware. And and I was sort of saying to him, "Oh yeah, you know, uh, I went to that same school, and my brother's uh, my brother was in the same year as Tim Conagrave." And so this was just intriguing Neil more and more and so he just wanted to ask more and more questions okay good but I wasn't ready for that like I had my exit strategy in place and I was I was caught in the back foot so I'm answering all these questions and then he's like so what do you do and so then I got self-conscious and I was like oh I'm an actor but I'm only on home and away and you know I'm like started like self-deprecating no and he was like okay cool cool he's like well I don't have a tv so I apologize I haven't seen you I'm like of course you don't have a tv because I don't know and so, this firstly, 
I don't have a TV. People say that a lot. Have you not heard that? I don't have a TV. I hear that all the time. What? I mean... Do you not... I know that that's a thing, but I still to this day don't quite understand how that's a thing. When someone says, I don't have a TV, do they mean I still watch things on Netflix and stuff? Yes. Or do they mean I physically do not own a TV? I think they physically don't have a TV. I mean, I own a TV, but I don't watch a lot free of free to air TV, but I watch a lot of Netflix and Stan and, you know, those sort of things. Well, the three people I know who've told me, Neil Armfeld, and I've got two friends who don't have TVs. One of them definitely doesn't have a TV, yeah. but he has a laptop, which he occasionally watches movies on. Neil, I don't know. We didn't get that far into it because I was sweating so much. <laughs> that became the primary issue. My other friend has a TV, but does not watch it. His kids watch it. I mean, also, I have a TV, but I've, I never really watch Home and Away. It's not like, <laughs> it's not like just because you have a TV, you suddenly have a completest knowledge of what's on the TV. Well, I think he was apologising in case I was much more famous uh, th- than I was making out, which I'm not, and I was not behaving in that fashion. But also, either. in Australia, it's not, it's not like there's any shame in having gone through Home and Away or Neighbours. Uh, no, every I, single actor in Australia look, has gone through th- those shows. This was all on me. Yeah. I'm the one who was creating the kind of awkwardness in the situation. Yeah. I was the one who confessed that... Yeah, Armfeld was into you. He was, he was into like, tell it. me more. I know. But it was, that was the weird thing. So eventually, I extract myself from the conversation, and I go back to Jem, and she's like, you are poor... <laughs> sweat what's going on and i was like i just went to say hello but then he was interested in me and and was asking me questions and i I wasn't prepared for it and it happened to me again a year later meeting briggs who i've heard on your podcast and i love his music i'm a fan of his and similar situation where i was like well look will uh, briggs and i stayed at will's apartment we're kind of tangentially we know the same people i'm gonna go say hello <laughs> and the same thing happened where i walked up to say hey i'm charlie my mate of will's blah 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 and then he wanted to have a chat and then i started sweating <laughs> like to the point where jem came over to join me this time and i introduced her and she looked at me and she was like you're really sweating and i'm like shut up I just get the flop sweats now when I get like intimidated. I mean, not intimidated. When a conversation goes any further than, hello, I'm a big fan of yours. Yeah. <laughs> if there's a follow-up question, you start to sweat. But it was weird because it was not like, I mean, the Neil Armfield thing, there's definitely a sort of status thing where I'd put him on this pedestal. With Briggs, I felt like, oh, I should say hello because we have enough friends in common that I feel like, you know, we're staying the same. And Briggs was like, I'm sorry, I don't have a TV. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, he was fine. He was just having a chat. Well, he would have been. He's a lovely, very approachable bloke. guy. Very approachable, yeah. which made my sweat even more bizarre. <laughs> and now it's like it's gotten worse and worse where I just like, I'm sweating now. Like flop sweats talking Is it because to you. we're talking? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what this like. It's some kind of like uh, primary, like what's that gland, that, that, that primitive caveman gland that you have, the... the Pituitary? Pituitary. Is yeah. that it? I was yeah. going to say the perineum, which is a completely different <laughs> yeah. thing. My perineum is sweaty. <laughs> sweaty. Uh, now, Will, I wanted to um, get through some of our mail. Okay, sure. Because we've been, thank you to all our Patreon subscribers who have been writing in. It's great. But we've been neglecting our non-Patreon oh, subscribers. Mail. So what I'd like to do. Well, that's the two uh, tier system. Exactly. If you're willing to give us a little cash, you know, you make, know, it, make it rain thing. a little yeah. bit on uh, the camera, Patreon. The camera's not recording a while. Oh, okay. Ago, Sorry. So well, no, in no, that no. case, I should stop doing my performative uh, little uh, hand gesture just then. 
It doesn't sink. I mean, it doesn't seem. It, like it, it seemed way. to have committed suicide. Really look, would have. Uh, they really would have enjoyed us uh, doing marvelous, uh, though. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have noticed that there's a kid out there listening on his headphones now. Okay. Who's just uh, flipping through. So let's see if he can hear me. Before we get stage. to the letters, if he, me, he can give me a wave. If he flicks onto this channel, he is can, he not uh, listening? No. He can listen to me, and then he can uh, can't hear. Give me a wave. It feels yeah, like yes, you, it feels like his parents. Can you hear us? Can you hear me in the hat? If, if you're talking, are you? He's looking he at, but no, he, no, he's listening to music. Out, no, he's listening to music. I no, imagine because he's really head head banging in a way that wouldn't. Yeah. Also, this show is not really appropriate for but the whole that age. It, I'd imagine. Yeah. Let's let's. I've got to be aware of the fact that people might be listening to this yes. children. Okay. Uh, before we get to the letters, Michael has chipped in with some more. Cl- oh, Michael, I'm so sorry. Oh, young Michael. Podcast Mike. Podcast Mike. I'm so sorry about that. Like, might need to change his I'm, name. I'm a bit racist. <laughs> all mics, oh, look the, all the mics look the same to me. Again, people are listening to this. Let's not. Okay. Uh, some more clapping songs. I Love Rock and Roll, Joan Jett. Yep. Clapping in that? Yep, dun, definitely. Dun. Yeah, okay. Uh, Grease Lightning from Grease. Oh, yep. Okay. Yep. I got you. Where's the, where's the clapping in that? You're the one. Uh, Grease Lightning. No. She's the home. Grease Lightning. She's at the D. Okay. <laughs> we don't yeah. know any of the words. Right there. Uh, on to Hugh Jackman. The okay. only comedy he did was an Australian comedy called Paperback. Oh, the p- with it, Claudia Carvin. Yeah, now that was about Payback Hero, maybe? Was it called Paperback Hero? Uh, I think it's called Payback Hero in Australia. Maybe in the States it was called Paperback. Okay. Podcast Mike, you've given me erroneous information. Can we get a little uh, description of the movie Paperback Hero? He plays Jack Willis, a oh. truck driver who writes a best selling novel. Uh, and a lot of people are always going up to him and going, What's you talking about, Willis? <laughs> Boo. Oh. What you writing about, Willis? What you writing about, Willis? Oh, hang on. That camera that's not working is beeping at us. <laughs> it even hates us. It's like a big heckle by R2-D2. Okay, here we go. Let's get to our Patreon letters okay. first. Um, okay. See if I can forget who's written the best letter. Okay, this is from Michael. Another Michael. Okay. To Colin Fop. Hey, Tofop. Here's another tantalizing Tofop tidbit. Not really. I haven't seen the Fire Festival documentary, but listening to you guys describe it in the last episode, it sounded like a very familiar story. Then I realized... <laughs> Sorry. Then I realised it's the plot to Wayne's World too, <laughs> without the happy ending and less ghosts. Amazing! That is amazing. The Fire Festival is Wayne's World too. Oh, so can we blame Mike Myers for this flop as well? Love the show, Michael. P.S. I haven't provided an address because a I live in Israel. So I don't want you guys to pay more in postage. I mean, oh, Michael. Firstly, I, here's what I, I love is this podcast does have listeners all over the world. Bizarrely. I mean, we can't get any out in the <laughs> immediate 10 feet, from, 10 feet from where we are right now. But out in the world, all over the world, there are listeners to this show. But also international listeners to this show are prone to write us a letter. Yeah. Yeah. It's because Australians are bloody no good, mate. Well, I appreciate it anyway. He said, uh, you guys, uh, I live in Israel. Don't want you guys to pay more in postage. This crackpot notion is not worth the bureaucracy of losing something in the Israel, Israel Postal Company. And B, I live in Israel. So that, so that the only use I would have for the stickers of you guys would be to stick them in some backpacker's hostel toilet and hope an Australian, upon, Australian happens upon it and wonders, why is there a sticker of the Gruen guy and the principal from Neighbours <laughs> in the stall here? I mean... Look, I don't want to make predictions, but Michael, I mean, you haven't provided your address. So, you know what? Well done. 
we just go, you could just put Michael care of Israel. Yeah, we'll just send it to Israel. <laughs> Hope it gets to him. Oren writes in. Uh, dear Will and Charlie, I like stickers. And then he gives his address. Oh, just before we go on, uh, um, did you see Mike Myers and Dana Carvey at the Academy Awards present? No, I didn't see any of the Academy Awards. It was, well, I, I would say that, that it was the first year they ever did without a host. And uh, I would suggest it should be the last year they ever do without a host. I've it just has no identity. I read a host. conflicting reports. I read other people saying it was great and very brisk, and there was no. Oh, it was brisk. Yeah. If that's what you're looking for, but from not your entertaining. Night, if you're looking for something, you go. Oh, yeah, it was really tight. It didn't have any identity. You won't be able to remember which year it was or any of the bits. But yeah, it was brisk. They got through it at a good pace. They just couldn't. I mean, the problem is. How are they going to find a comedian who they're not going to be able to dig something up on Twitter from? Yeah, but I, here's what my issue with that is like, Kevin Hart could have hosted the Oscars. Kevin Hart could have host, hosted the Oscars when they found that tweet and whatever. If he'd just come out and fully you know and frankly apologised and you know talked about the lessons he's learnt since then and you know what he wants to bring to the night and then on the night done something really you know positive and like reflective of the journey he's been on and what he's lost it would have been a really triumphant crowning moment i don't agree with the idea i also don't agree with the idea that kevin hart couldn't do it so they stopped looking yeah <laughs> oh well well i imagine i guess he's the only comedian I imagine left. all comedians <laughs> i think it was just they had so many they kept fucking up with you know like because they didn't they have like Eddie Murphy and, and Brett Ratner a couple of years ago and then there was some homophobic yeah. thing that Brett Ratner said. Yeah. It's like they keep picking people with a history of saying something homophobic. Yeah, well, this year and they're like, well, surely we can't do it again. This year their first choices were Jeffrey Rush and Brian Singer. <laughs> so <laughs> Kevin Spacey's going to come in. Sing a number. Okay, this is from Oren, who gives us his address straight away, which is in okay. the USA. So right. the two, uh, two, two Patreon t-mailers this week are both overseas which proves your point that we have a lot of listeners overseas or, or at least at the least listeners they're su- are overseas are willing us. to support us yeah support yes. us you know what do you want to let a bunch of foreigners support this show come on aussies you support the show well you know what it is probably as well is like probably the american dollar now is like it's so it's, good to yeah. the australian dollar it's, that it's barely like supporting us now the important bits are out of the way his address i'm really glad that philosophy is back okay and in true Tofop celebration style, I would like to give away some free bad ideas. Number one, a Charlosophy episode where Charlie interviews Will about who he is, his philosophy on life and death, and which Batman he would like to be. I've answered the Batman question so many times that I've forgotten what my answers were. What, what, is, the, what is the question? Well, which of the which of the bat, As Batman? As in the cinematic would you be? Batman. Yeah, the cinematic Batman. What's your answer? Uh, well, that's what I was going to say. Is like I think I've answered that question so many times that I can't remember what I previously said. Uh, you, I'd say Adam West, comedic. Well, Batman. Adam West, no, but well, see, but Adam West's real name is Will Anderson, as we've spoken about before. His actual real human name is Will Anderson, so I feel like that's too on the nose. On the nose, exactly. <laughs> I guess I would be. Uh, I think I'd be George Clooney, Batman. And that not really that not good really at popular. it. Not really that good at it, but good enough. Got to be Batman. <laughs> Got to be Batman. Good looking enough to be Batman. Yeah. Uh, number two. Since Gordon Ramsay seems to be running out of ideas for shows, Will at least used his love for his shows, and Charlie is now writing shows about how Gordon Ramsay's HGTV nightmares. What does that stand for? HGTV. Uh, don't know yet. 
Uh, Gordon just screams at people during remodels while no one has any idea of what is actually supposed to be done. I don't get. Didn't any, quite get. I didn't get. That. I didn't get any of that. Lastly, I'm actually a little sad that you've finally talked about Fire Festival. I was hoping, much like the event, that it was going to be all internet hype and never going to happen. Keep up the good work. Well, that would have been brilliant. Yeah. If we had been all meta about Fire Festival, yeah. Well, I think we were sort of meta. If we had made it it, a Patreon reward level, made it thirty grand, in that we made it like it was going to be a really big thing, and in the end, it was (laughs) very very disappointing afterthought. And Jar Rule disowned us. P.S. If you tell me what postage is on the stickers of the U.S., I'd be willing to bump up my Patreon to do that for the month so you don't lose that much money. Oh. Well, look, okay. Oren, considering that uh, uh, Michael didn't even provide his address, I think you're the winner. Oh, was that of those two? Yeah. Then definitely Oren. Yeah. yeah. Has to go to Oren. Uh, well, Mike, Michael took a knee. Michael Collins <laughs> Kaepernicked it. He, he was did. like, I don't, want, I don't want it. There is something quite noble about someone who doesn't want to take money from us. Like, he's supporting us. Yeah. And he's not making us... He goes, mate, I worked hard for this money I'm giving you. I don't want you to then lose the money through one of your stupid schemes. I mean, I don't know Because essentially we're robbing him. We're losing his money. <laughs> he feels like he's an investor in our company. And he's like, stop making stupid decisions. In fact, both of them have had that approach. Like, yeah. essentially, who was the second one? Oren. Uh, Oren. Oren's done the equivalent of uh, sending in a stamped self-addressed envelope <laughs> for us to return the stuff in. All right, so this is the this is the general email. Okay. Uh, now these are so far back. We've got such a backlog. This is from the eighth of Jan. <laughs> That's oh, how far back right. we are. So we have to plow through these. Okay, quick answers. Will and Charlie. Happy New Year to you both. Here's Happy an- New Year. <laughs> Here's another tantalising toefop tidbit. <laughs> I've got an issue I need help with. Several episodes back, Charlie mentioned that he was recently chastised by a fellow he shared an office space with for unknowingly thieving over an extended period of time yes. forks from the kitchen. Over the past few few weeks, I too have become a victim of this heinous crime. I work in a project office with around 100 people occupying it on any, any given day. However, the inventory of forks over the six months has gone from good to adequate to now crisis levels. The kitchenette closest to my desk was the first to fall, and now the second kitchenette is experiencing a similar fate. Can you imagine the torment of having to eat halloumi and ham salad, croutons included, with a spoon? To make matters worse, the office manager... On this of this four hundred ninety million dollar construction project, refuses to purchase any more forks. I've even gone to the extent of restocking the forks with the own odds and sods from my cutlery drawer at home. Those two have now been presumably taken hostage by some low life thief. Guys, I need some advice before I take up my rage on some random coworker with a teaspoon. I'm hoping that you, Charlie, with your inside knowledge, could provide me with some insight on how I can catch these fork thieves. Thanks in advance. Keep up the good work, Jaden. I mean, well, firstly, it takes a fork thief to catch a fork thief. I so. wasn't a, but I wasn't a witting fork thief. I didn't yeah, but we don't know if it. the people in this office are witting fork thieves either. Well, I think maybe is it too passive aggressive to stick up one of those, you know, like print out a, a thing and stick it on the wall and say, "Hey, please do not take your forks home with you guys. We're running low on forks in the kitchen." Well, I would go a step. Um, personally, I wouldn't go that hard that quickly. Personally, I'd be like, hey, guys, it seems like the forks have gone missing. If you see any around the office, can you please return the forks? <laughs> if you see something, do something. Yeah, <laughs> or exactly. say something. If you see a fork, <laughs> say, say you've something. seen a fork. <laughs> Our popular slogan. David writes in and says, hey, guys, just wanted to follow up on an email you reforged last week from a listener who was outraged you guys butchering the regulate lyrics. 
not to one him, to one up him, but I hosted a local radio show in the mid '90s, specialising in hip hop and R and B, and I found it hilarious and not at all cringeworthy. That lesson, listener needs to chill the fuck out. <laughs> you can tell he hosted an R and B show because he's chill. Love the pod, David. Well, thank you, David. Right. I mean, we've got we, ourselves involved in a rap war. Charlie. Exactly, a beef, a beef. I believe they call it. Uh, this is from uh, Eileen. Hey, Tofop. Come on, Eileen. For your information, many esteemed clinicians, 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 no, clinicians. <laughs> no, Charlie, I mean, it's definitely clinicians. <laughs> oh, do you go to a clinic or a clinic? Well, yeah, it's definitely a clinic. So it's definitely clinicians. And you should definitely say that in public to other people. For your information, many esteemed clinicians, clinicians. <laughs> And academics of my acquaintances, listen and enjoy TOFOP. Your podcast is an excellent, is excellent mindlessness resource, which I recommend wholeheartedly. I sometimes use TOFOP as a case study when discussing podgy personality disorder. Okay, what is that? What is podgy personality podcast, disorder? Podcast, Mike? Well, I get to the next letter. Can you look up podgy personality disorder? P-O-D-G-Y. I want to know what sort of clinic she works in. <laughs> you fucker. Justin writes in, I've been working in the yard this morning listening to episode 203 and the enchanting tale of how Charlie has been able to trace his family's heritage in such staggering detail, all thanks to his DNA-driven need to stop for a drop of good stuff at a pub in his family's hometown, referring to an episode where I went back to Ireland. The odds that Charlie would travel thousands of miles spurred on by a deep respect for family and friends to find the wellspring known as Sweeney. I couldn't help but think of the one question this whole time. It scratched its way to the point that I would pick up my phone and tap out the question that has influenced my activity and crowded the recesses of my mind. Justin's getting a bit flowery here. The question that drives me. At the time of the robot uprising, Mm -hmm. when machines have in fact realized that the problem with Earth is us and are forced to take the only plausible step towards saving the system of our planet, would Charlie now be on a bound to defend that town in Ireland? I have spent the last 12 months listening from episode 1 to episode 203 and rising. Thank you for the relaxing, sometimes thought-provoking chats. Justin. Well, firstly, Justin, you know we don't recommend that, that being the order that you listen. No, don't. You made a mistake. But he's still here, so I guess it can't be too bad. Started at the bottom, now he's here. Nah. <laughs> so um, I would suggest that you should just defend your joint. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you've already established yourself. It's much like The Walking Dead, like your local area where you live. You've already sort of, you know, instituted some bin sheriff you know, style arrangements. You've... You've staked out your own turf. I don't feel like you need to be travelling to to Ireland to suddenly defend a patch of dirt over there. Well, I don't think anyone in Ireland would defend some Australian bloke. Would they defend me? Because my mother... I mean, my surname is Clausen, which is Danish. I my mean, mother's a McSweeney. I'm barely one-eighth Irish. And technically, you know, like, you go and defend, the, you know, the turf at Summer Bay. So surely <laughs> you'd have to get Summer Bay together, right? Yeah, yeah. Look at Alf. They're coming for the bay, the guys. They're coming for the flame and bay. Speaking of Ray, not Ray Ma, but well, another Ray. Have a pause. Next, uh, <laughs> can't even speak. <laughs> Good one, one and a half beers, and I can't speak. Uh, next T-mail is from Ray. Hey, Tofop. Irish wristwatch, Irish wristwatch, Irish wristwatch, Irish wristwatch, Irish wristwatch. Gotcha, Charlie. No, you fucking didn't. Because I did it. 
Well, you didn't you try. really. You try. I did. Irish wristwatch, Irish wristwatch, Irish wristwatch, Irish wristwatch, Irish wristwatch, Irish wristwatch. You try it. Um, Irish. <laughs> do you have to do it in the accent? Is that what you, no, you were like? Irish wristwatch. Irish wristwatch. Irish wristwatch. Irish wrist. Slowly. Irish wristwatch. Irish wristwatch. You can't put a gap between Why? Irish and wristwatch. You said no. slowly. Irish. No, but wrist. that's not slowly. That's pausing watch. between the two. Irish wristwatch. Irish wristwatch. Irish wristwatch. Irish wrist. Irish who? Irish wristwatch. Irish wristwatch. Anyway. Irish wristwatch. I was I break in Irish wristwatch. Irish wristwatch. I recently I was recently listening to radio and noticed they were playing a podcast instead of the expected announcers between songs, ads, news, etc. What stations, songs, radio giveaways, etc., would suit Tofop? Keep up the useless nonsense. Uh, I'd like us to ha- every day have to give away an Irish wristwatch. <laughs> what would our secret sound be? Um, us trying to fucking turn the make make the camera work. What's the secret sound? I think that's the camera running out of batteries. <laughs> what's the secret sound? Oh, that'd be the podcast ending. That what's the secret sound? That's the dogs barking. Uh, Darvi writes in subject line. How good are the Pixies? How good are the Pixies? Pretty good. Pretty good. Hi, Hi guys. (laughs) Thanks for ever. How are you? On the 15th of December, I had surgery on my chest, a thymectomy due to an autoimmune disease that I have. At the end of the surgery, I had three cardiac arrests. Oh, boy. They had to defibrillate me, inject adrenaline, and cut me open so they could give me a cardiac massage directly at my heart. Wow. (laughs) Okay. Strong start. In the process, they've punctured my lung. It mm. collapsed and filled with liquids. I had to stay one week at the hospital. One week? <laughs> that doesn't feel like enough. <laughs> Where's he from? Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like it's overseas. Okay. I mean, one ju- week? Ju- judging by the name. <laughs> it's uh, been one week since <laughs> my, my heart stopped. <laughs> I thought I was going to die. He said, I'm angry. Hold my heart, make it pump quick. Make the blood thick. <laughs> I've been listening to your podcast for some time now. How's this? In his recovery. Okay. I've been listening to your podcast for some time now, and I'm on a, episode 76. Wadavi, well, you're, you're way in the weeds there. You guys talked about the Pixies a lot of the time. Did we? Mm, since, I, since I couldn't laugh <laughs> because it hurt a lot. Oh, my God. <laughs> I gave it a listen, <laughs> and it was fantastic. Why, hang on. You guys talk about the Pixies all the time. Since I couldn't laugh, oh, so I listened to the Pixies. Yes, he listened to the Pixies. And I loved it. Yeah. Not not traditionally a comedy band. No. You don't want to be listening it's not, it's not to like the Naked Ladies. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, chickity, chick, chickity China, the Chinese chicken, chicken, the massage my heart, and it started ticking. Watch X Files with the lights on. I hope the smoking man's in this one. Who else? Crash Test Dummies, were they like a comedy rock band? Cake. Cake, definitely. Cake yeah. had a bit of comedy rock. Yeah, go in the distance. Um, the Foo Fighters, I feel like, have become a comedy band. Yeah, but they're not like writing they're, they're, they're funny not in the songs. lyrics, but in the performance of it. Yes. Um, Tenacious D, but they're an outright comedy band. Yeah, but ha- had a crossover hit. I mean, it's not a big genre, genre, is it? Like the funny band. Who's the biggest funny band? Cake. The big, 
No, Bare Naked Ladies have got to be bigger than Are they a comedy band? Bare Naked Ladies are Chickity China, the Chinese. Chinese yeah, that's the only song I know, though. Yeah. One week. It's been. That's like. But that's the cakes are like. They had the distance and let's do it like mammals and. Oh, is, hang on. Is Bare Naked Ladies. Isn't Bare Naked Ladies you and me, baby? Let's. No, that's is that cake. cake. Yeah, I think is cake is the biggest. Podcast, Mike, this might be hard to get an answer for, but who are the biggest comedy rock bands? <laughs> In the world, I don't know if, it, if that's a category that exists, but you know what I'm talking about. They're, they're a band, yeah, but their songs the are funny. Band. Like the funniest band, like Blink Blink One Eighty Two, because their songs, are, no, their film clips are funny. Yeah, but they, well, and that's like the Foo Fighters. Their film clips are funny, but, but they're the, not. They're li- the, the content of the music is like jokes. Yeah. Whereas the distance is a joke, right? So hang on. So a Bloodhound Gang, another no, one. No, blood, aren't Bloodhound Gang the you and me baby ain't nothing but. Oh mammals. yeah, and Keiko, yeah. the distance. Yeah. We're going the dis- Who's a bigger band podcast, Mike? <laughs> Cake or the Bloodhound Gang? Bloodhound Gang or the Bare Naked right. Ladies. Is, are you saying you're... These w- are all gross questions. Are you WhatsApping me? No, he hasn't sent it to me yet. Hang on, I've got some here. I'll have a look. Okay. While you're doing that. So he says, uh, I listen to the Pixies and they're fantastic. Um, walking down the corridors at a snail's pace with a tube hanging beside me and a jar full of liquid that was coming out of my lung... Was an experience and a half. Okay, just for the record, um, uh, thanks to podcast Mike. Um, apparently, Cake uh, have uh, six hundred fifty thousand likes on Facebook, whereas the Bare Naked Ladies only have four hundred thirty-three thousand. What about the Bloodhound Gang? Five hundred seventeen thousand. So, so in order, Cake. Uh, Cake is the most popular based on likes on Facebook, uh, followed by the Bloodhound Gang, followed by the Bare Naked Ladies. All right, I'll accept that. It's quite a poignant uh, bit of this message that oh, we completely sorry. brushed off. <laughs> I mean, also, Frank Black, Black Francis from the uh, the Pixies would be rapt. Yeah. Then he said the Pixies are one of the greatest bands of all time. And we were like, you know, who's also cake? Gang. <laughs> Walking down the corridors at a snail. Oh, I've got to give it the gravitas it deserves. <clears throat> Walking down those corridors at a snail's pace with a tube hanging beside me and a jar full of liquid that was coming out of my lung was an experience and a half. Also, by the way, this al- this already sounds like Pixie's lyrics. <laughs> Walking down this corridor. Um, I was tripping balls there. Thanks for the recommendation. It made an unpleasant situation a little better. I'll probably... Hang on. So the Pixies were making you trip balls or yes, toe Pixies. It's not really trippy music, is it? Yeah, I reckon if you're like off your head... And I you guess so. It's quite... Attacks and like it's... Yeah, the way they change gears and exactly. it's like loud, quite loud. Yeah, I guess so. And also, if you've never heard the Pixies before and you then suddenly... I guess I was again. swimming in the Caribbean. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's off his fucking head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was tripping balls there. Thanks for the recommendation. It made an unpleasant situation a little bit better. I'll probably take some time to catch up on the current episodes. So, if you decide that this letter is worth reading on the show, put Pixies on the title so I'm, the w- so I'm aware and listen out of order. Thanks. Regards, Darby. Well, I mean, Mike Howell is the one who's in charge of that, isn't he? It's no, interesting it, to me that he even knows how to contact us. Because Why? he's back at episode 60. We probably had yeah. some different way to contact hey, us back at episode point. 60. Yeah, what's going on here? How does he even know? Has he included his address for a sticker book? Because No, he's not He's not a Patreon no, yeah, guy. Right, Darby, so get on the Patreon. But, yeah. but he won't hear this for another two years. <laughs> Tanya writes in. I'm sorry to tell you this also, Darby, that uh, one of the main members of the Pixies leaves, but they will continue to keep touring. Who left? I did. Kim? Yeah. Did she? Forever? For good? Yeah, I think so. Really? Yeah. Uh. Well, they've 
they've replaced her and continued on without her. So mm, that's yeah. sad. Tanya, hey, Will and Charlie, please don't read my entire name. Tanya will do. All right. Okay. Tanya will do. That's a weird last name. Uh, are you boys planning on doing a live tape up at uh, Melbourne Comedy Festival this year? I'm looking coming down. For <laughs> she sent this on the 21st of January. She's probably got the answer. 2017. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking coming down for the first time this year because Will isn't coming to Brizzy this year. What the fuck? And a live tape up recording would seal the deal. Love you guys, despite the fact that I've been listening to your old apps. <laughs> Tanya, P.S. Uh, it could be around April 1st, my birthday. That would make it all the sweetest. So can we do a live tope up on April 1st so Tanya can have a good birthday? Uh, what about April the 4th or 5th? I can't remember what... Was it the 5th that we decided that we might be doing that small one for James's uh, art It is exhibition? early April. It's early April, I reckon. Yeah. It's the it's Friday. I reckon yeah. it's Friday at 2 o'clock is what we're aiming for. And the other thing I would Friday say... Friday at 2 in the afternoon and it'll only be a very small amount of people in the gallery or near the gallery where he's doing his art exhibition. When it comes to live shows too, watch this space. Yeah. Oh, we're hoping that we will do um, some... Some semi-reg live shows. There was shows. actually going to be one, what, this week? Yeah, uh, next week, yeah. Ne- yeah, but we... It, well, not enough time. In typical Tofop style, haven't quite managed to do that. But we're, well, look, we're trying. Look, we're trying some shit out right now. In we're, fact, I think in the timeline when you're hearing this, last week <laughs> it was going to be last week. You're right. <laughs> two weeks ago, <laughs> since weeks the ago. second episode. Yeah, we were we were going to do a live show two, two weeks, weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Dan writes in. Hey, Tofop, Tofop respondents, tantalising tidbit, team out, whatever. You guys need to activate your inner dream weaver. Insert soundbite from Gary Wright's 1975 classic hit if you feel the need to. Bit of a Wayne's World theme going on this week. You both played a feature role in a recent dream I had. Okay. In which Charlie was the conduit to the introduction of a person from my past that I haven't seen, heard from or thought about in over 15 years. Oh, okay. Charlie was hosting a party at his house and there were plenty of other people there. A few celebrities from the B-list down. (laughs) You know the ones, former home and away actors, panel show enthusiasts. I think Dixie was there too. Hey, do not slander Dixie. A grader. He's A grader, A plus. Anyway, I'd been dragged along by a friend. Oh, hang on. You're a fucking listener to the show. And they say, hey, Charlie Clawson's having a party with some B-list celebrities and you had to be dragged along? Yep. What do you mean? Story checks out. Anyway, I had to be dragged along by a friend that somehow connected with Charlie and that's when I realised that, in fact, it was Charlie's house. Quite a nice digs, by the way. I made it a mission to befriend the hosts of Tofop. After much drinking and partying, will in fine form, throwing one-line zingers everywhere. Well, I mean, again, this must be a dream because you know what I'm like at a party. You sit in a corner and hope to talk to someone about football. The party started to wind down and Charlie invited my friend and I to stick around. Just as we were starting our nightcaps and conversations about politics, oh, God, this sounds like the worst party ever. The doorbell rang and Charlie jumped to his feet and said, fuck, I totally forgot these guys were coming for a visit. Okay. You opened the door and with a blast of heavenly light backed by an angelic choir call, enters my friend from primary school and her entire family. No idea where, why, how they were connected, but it freaked me out a little, so much so that I woke from my sleep. So, what does it all mean? Should Charlie be the next host of Who Do You Think You Are? Should I reach out to this long-lost friend? Is there a random Six Degrees thing happening here? Is Will really considered a B-list celebrity? No. Would Charlie Charlie really be able to afford a house 
Uh, and the pool with an inner, in the inner city Sydney? Absolutely not. No. Any help, insight, appreciated. None, none of this dream checks out. <laughs> That's what the first thing I would say is, that I'm at a party giving out witty one-liners, does not check out. <laughs> and me and owning a house, house with a pool, does not check out. Um, that you've got some people to stick around to talk about politics, Doesn't does not check, check out. out. The fact that they're not actually even at a party, doesn't check out. Doesn't really check out. Uh, so, okay, here's what I would say, is that I think you would be great as the host of some sort of surprise reunion show, though. And I like the idea that it's set in the world where you just invite people to a party. They don't know. It's like a hidden yeah. camera show. Yeah. And, like, you know, that kind of the trick to it is you have the party for, like, two or three hours and you get them sort of drunk or high or whatever first before they oh, meet this person <laughs> from the <laughs> bus. You get them drunk or high? Yeah. Okay, sure. Well, depending on whatever, like, forms they sign Is this beforehand. still a TV show? Oh, I, I forgot it was the TV. Yeah, no, no, like, but I mean... As an experiment. Like, as the experiment, so that, like, in, much in the same way as they do on Big Brother or whatever, where they put in all the alcohol so that people will have fights or on The Bachelor or whatever, you know, like, everyone's pretty drunk at The Bachelor house when they get back there so that they can get better TV. So you actually have a party for two or three hours and then you introduce them to the, some childhood friend they haven't seen. Well, what do you think, though? What's, what's going on in her subconscious here? So here's what I think is happening, right? <clears throat> I think that you are a fan of the show, so that makes sense that you probably listen. Maybe you listen to us a lot while you sleep, like a lot of people do. So that's how we've entered your subconscious. Why we have triggered this friend is I think that there is a need for you to contact that person. I think somewhere along the lines, okay. you associate us as a lot of people do who listen to this show apparently because it's conversational and you feel like you know us. We've become sort of like quasi friends in your mind. And I think that that familiarity with us has brought this person back into your life. You didn't state how good a friend they were in primary school, but mm. maybe they were a good friend. Maybe the same sense of connection you get with us, you have with that friend. And the fact that we were talking, we we're about to talk about politics, but then this friend comes in, what that suggests to me is this friend is someone who alleviates stress. Politics can be stressful. It's a heavy topic. But this friend came in, angelic light behind them. To me, that's a clear... Dreamweaver. Dreamweaver. It's a clear thing that you need to contact this person. Maybe you need you're to step away from this world that we live in... Which is so is heavy. dominated by politics and what's going on in the news and actually just reconnect with what's important, which is your childhood friends. Or maybe it's not specifically the friend, but maybe it's something from your childhood. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's something in your past. You know what? Maybe that's it. It's actually like... I've been thinking I should do a podcast that's just all dream interpretation. What do you think? Well, you know what the thing I'm is? I'm pretty good at it. Well, I don't know if you're pretty good at I it. I am pretty good at it. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, I am good at it. You're pretty good at making it sound like you're good at it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but like whether you're good at it or not is based on whether those people go, oh, yeah, that does. I do respond to that. How is go, someone good at dream interpretation? It's just about creating a story around the facts that you're given. No, I don't think that's all that it is. I think surely to be good at it, you're good at hearing someone's dream and then making up some bullshit story about what it means. Yeah, which is basically astrology or tarot cards or any of that kind of shit. Yeah, I'm, I mean, you're right about that. You are good at making up a compelling story about it. But I would argue that whether someone is good at dream interpretation is whether then that person can apply that to their life and their world and whether it makes sense. Well, they should be able to. Because, because any, I gave, that was any psychic can be good at being a psychic if all they need to do is go, yeah, um, 
Yeah, you're but that's earn heaps of money, and you're going to die is. on a Wednesday. You give generic you're advice. You're going to meet John Bon Jovi, and you're <laughs> going to buy. A, that's very specific. Buy a pair of pink no. pants. At some being stage. a good psychic is about being generic enough in your responses that people can read into it whatever meaning. They I want. feel like someone close to you is going to die, exactly. but also someone close to you is going to live. <laughs> I feel like someone's going to buy a pet. I feel like you're you, both introverted, you. but you're also extroverted at in a lot of ways. Yeah. I feel like you're a good person, but sometimes you feel like you do bad things. I feel like you're capable of so much more, but you feel limited by the situation you're in now I feel like you try your best and sometimes people don't appreciate how much you try and yet some other times you don't try as hard as you should and you feel guilty about that Sasha writes in <laughs> hey Tofop hey guys important Gumbaya Park update oh, okay good it's recently Where been the updated city meets the country uh, Gumbaya Park it's a place to be Gumbaya pockets for your family. Do you remember this? I mean, we tried to look it up the other day. It's got water slides, all the stuff you really like. I always just remember it was where the city met the country. Uh, do you remember Wobby's World? <laughs> That's another theme park. Yeah. Anyway, it's been recently updated. It now goes by the name Gumbaya World. Oh my God, really? Yeah, it's like Jurassic Park. Yeah. <laughs> it's now Jurassic World. <laughs> the because they had a terrible... Uh, Incident yeah. with the peacocks. <laughs> down at Gumbaya Park. I love that. They actually had to shut down Gumbaya Park, Park because the attractions the inc- went berserk <laughs> and attacked the patrons of the park. <laughs> the locals were most upset as the revamp came with Gold Coast style water slides and rides, and the prices went up accordingly. Yeah. You can also get married there. Gumbaya World. We've got good shit now. <laughs> I'm not sure why you would. Cheers for the meandering content. I've quite enjoyed all the bin chat. Well, here's what I would like to know is you can get married there. Mm. Has anyone ever got married at Gumbaya World? If you've been married at Gumbaya World, give us a call. 1300. For- I would like to know though, like because you can get married. What's the weirdest anywhere. place you've been married? Give us a call. 1300. Again, these are all good notes. I'm yeah. going to make some notes for the radio. But like... Has anyone ever got married at Gumbaya World or is it just the service they offer? And how yeah, how mean, far into it do they go, you know what, no one's really no taken us up on up. this whole because getting married why, at Gumbaya World. Why, isn't it, why is it an advantage to get married there? Like kids party, bucks party, hens, I can understand. I'd imagine you would have had to meet at Gumbaya World. Like you've met at Gumbaya Park as teenagers. You, your romance is kind of, um, you live in the local area. It's the first place you, that you and your girlfriend could go on a date. And then um, someone's uh, taking a photo, uh, hopefully of us you or and themselves. Your girlfriend could uh, go on a yeah, go on a date, maybe down to Gumbaya World, um, or Gumbaya Park, as it probably would have been. And then you're like, you know what? This is the place we met. Yeah, but maybe we want to get married here. I right? mean, are you really going to say to? <laughs> sorry, someone's taking a selfie of themselves or of the studio. Well, I'm not quite exactly of themselves sure. In front of our studio, I yeah, okay. our studio. Our we've studio. been here. We've been here one day, and it's already our studio, which we're paying for. Yeah, well, so it's ours. It's ours for this for the next, period of time that we've rented it. For the next five minutes, uh, as we go to our last letter from Caleb. Hey, Tofop. Absolutely. Uh, by the way, this is the last letter I've bookmarked. It's over a month old. So okay. we still have six weeks of letters to catch up on. So just letting people know, if you write into us, we will get to it eventually. We will. We're going to get to it. Best way to get in touch with us, I will, is to subscribe to our Patreon. Mm. Patreon.com forward slash Tova. We'll definitely read your message out if you write to us on Patreon. Exactly. And you can support the podcast there. That's how we uh, manage to pay for anything to do with the podcast, including hiring this studio today. <laughs> Caleb writes in. 
absolutely pissing myself listening to you describe the three-time Super Bowl-winning Rams, who were founded in 1936 as that new upstart team flush with filthy league money. Yeah, well, I mean, in retrospect, they were terrible, and they disgraced themselves on uh, the sport's biggest stage. I will concede they only recently moved to LA. Mm, that's true. They are one of those teams that have wandered around the country. Wouldn't be surprised to see them in Brisbane playing AFL the next time the league gets their merger jitters. I'm firmly in the anyone but the Patriots camp this year. Oh, no, bad, bad luck. luck. <laughs> <laughs> there is some benefit to being so backlogged with our letters. Tom has Spoiler alert, mate, but it uh, does not work out well. Tom has already proved he's the GOT. It's time for Greatest someone else. of all time? No, the GOAT. Well, but it's a no, GOT. Yeah, no. But G, greatest of all time is the goat. Yes. But what did I say? Well, you just said Game of Thrones. <laughs> Game of Thrones. Tom Brady has already proved he's the Game of Thrones. P.S. I'm available. And he's going to win a couple more titles before winter is coming. I'm available if you need an NFL whisperer to provide, provide insights during your trip to the big show. Mm, didn't oh make that God. Up. Spoiler alert. <laughs> There's some shit that dates real bad. Spoiler alert. Much like the LA Rams, I didn't make it <laughs> to the big show at Atlanta. Okay. That wraps it up. Uh, we've already promoted the Patreon, so why don't we talk about some other ways to support the show? Uh, I have a stand-up show at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. It's called Will Informed. Uh, it starts on March the 27th, and it goes for four weeks, 20 shows. Uh, it's selling very well, so please uh, come and see that show. That would be fantastic. You can find uh, TOEFOP on Facebook and Twitter. And hey, if you want to go to our YouTube channel, TOEFOP TV, you can check out Lessons for Life, our web series, which oh, yes. is currently our Mercedes. tearing up the internet. Now, here's the thing. I put something on our Facebook page the other day, and I was legit when I said this. For some reason in my mind, I've, for this to be a success, I want each episode to have 20,000 views. Ooh. I've looked at a lot of I mean, podcasts. That's a lot of views. Well, a lot of web series, 20,000 views is kind of like a good number. I was going to say, we that have, sounds like a good number. We have 10,000 followers on our Facebook page. Yes. If every person on that Facebook page... Watches it twice. Clicked, <laughs> don't even have to watch it. Just click play on it twice... That's 20,000 views. So I'm charging oh, you guys out nothing there. nothing I love more than our podcast where we're like, hey, you don't have to watch it. Yeah. You don't have to enjoy this creative pro – just click on it. Look, you'll enjoy it. I guarantee it. It's funny. The guys in it are awesome. It's a really good show. I mean, even if you don't, but I just, I just want the views. But just <laughs> click it. Just fucking click it. Just like if you've got a niece or a nephew – let them click Get it. Them to click it. Get them to click it. Make just it a fun it family game where There's everyone six clicks episodes. It. Just go through, click them twice, get me to 20,000 per views because you know what? That enables us to then go to other people and say, hey, look, this thing we made did really well. Give us some money so we can make some more. So that's what this is all about. Is we just one click. Don't be a dick. Click <laughs> it twice. That'd be nice. We're like Billy from the Fire Festival. We want to create the image of success, even if what's going on behind the scenes is a complete fucking disaster. Click it. Oh, clicky, you're so fine. You're so fine. You can blow my mind. Just click it. We've got the bloody human jingle it. machine here coming up with like jingles for it. You don't understand how hard work it is. No, seriously, in all honesty, click it twice. Yeah, twice. I mean, all joking aside. <laughs> just click, click it, it twice. Just um, click it and click it again. And check out the other videos. We've got Q&As oh, up click there. Those. We've got whole episodes up just there. Just click them. We've got two guys, one cup. We've got philosophy up there. Just fucking click. go. Click. Click it Don't click, be a click, dick. Click. Hit click. Click, click. If you want to be sick, like the kids say, yeah. click, 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 click. click. <laughs> Don't be a prick. Just fucking click. I'm going to be sick if you don't click, click, click.
My, if your name is Mick or Nick, then click. Here's a trick. Hit click. Remember Michael Vick? He went to prison for a dog thing. But click. <laughs> I'm Charlie Clawson. And I'm Click Anderson. Click Anderson. Click. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you.